friends, Chris Sauter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. with us. It really is. I, I can't wait to be back and seeing all your faces and all the new people, all the new people that have found, um, found this, this, this place. So I hope that has been a place of respite and some inspiration, hopefully like laughing. I hope that you've been able to laugh. So um, what I've realized this week is that I am exhausted. Anyone else? Sla- slam that like button. <laughs> You're exhausted. And I like, there's like, not just like physically, I'm not as much physically exhausted as I am emotionally. Um, and it got, it got exposed this week for multiple reasons. Um, like many of you, um, I've been paying much attention to the Derek Chavo trial and wow, a lot of likes. We're all exhausted. <laughs> it's, I'm in, I'm in good company then. Right. And, um, the, the, the trial was very, um, I don't know, good, right? But it was exhausting even to, to watch and thinking of um, people of color who had watched or chose not to watch, but that video dozens of times. And like, I had I had hope, right? Like I met with my, my friend, um, Diana, and we were talking like, I, I have hope. I don't expect that, that he's gonna be found guilty. I have no reason to. Honestly, like I like I I feel like he's guilty. Like we saw the video, but it's just like well, you know, it just doesn't happen, right? White police officers um, and accountability don't always go hand in hand. And so when I had a message lined up, if he was found not guilty, and I had a message lined up where there was no verdict that we'd still be waiting, they they would still be deliberating, and that was the message I honestly thought I'd be giving today. And let me tell you, it was a great message. It was really good. Um, but on Tuesday, when we got the the press release, it said in about a half hour, they're going to, um, they've decided on the verdict and they're going to share it. I was here at the hub and I raced home so I could watch it with my family. And it was Kira and Nikki and I, and they sat and I was, I was feeling all this tension, right? And I was trying to like, just stay calm. I started doing the crossword puzzle of all things. It's like, how do you avoid feelings? Do a crossword puzzle. Um, which is healthier to many alternatives. And so um, when it came on and we were watching and it just felt, it was very on edge. And when they said that he was guilty on all three charges, I felt all these feelings, my daughter and my partner, they start crying. And I didn't know what, it was like overwhelmed with feelings. Like, have you been there before? Or it's like, I didn't start crying and I didn't like celebrate. I just like sat and like, like I was having an out-of-body experience and looking around the room and the first, after like um, processing it, I'm like, well, I better go to the grocery store, <laughs> right? Cause that's like what you do 
when you don't know what to do. I have to like life had to move on. I had to make dinner. And so I just like got up and I hugged my daughter and hugged my partner. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store. And he's like, why are you going to the grocery store? I'm like, I got to go. And I drove there and I was just processing all I was feeling. And I got to the parking lot and I just started bawling. Right. Of like, of how, um, this, this is not bring justice, right? Like you've all heard justice would be that, um, George Floyd would be with his kid would be here, right? That's, that's justice. Um, but it moves the, 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 the time, moves the clock in the hand towards more accountability, toward, towards more equity, towards more um, inclusiveness, right? That's, that's what we want. And so I didn't realize how much I was caring. Again, I, and I am aware that I am, I am white, I'm a white man, but even how I carried so much, I can't imagine what, like his, his, George's brother, the thing, one of the first things he said, he goes, I feel like I can finally sleep tonight. I'm gonna get some good sleep. And so what I've learned is there are a lot of people who just carry this and are exhausted. Um, I got done with school. I know I made fun of it like, oh, <laughs> but I didn't realize how much energy and time I was putting towards that. And not just putting towards that, but feeling like I'm only good if I get an A. I haven't worried about an A for getting grades forever. And I had realized all that. I got vaccinated several, several weeks ago. And I had this idea in my mind of like, once I'm vaccinated and then my friends and people in our church and my community, there's gonna be like this collective like, we're dancing in the streets and pinatas are exploding everywhere and pushing kids out of the way to get the good candy because I finally get the candy, right? Very normal things. Um, and it turns out like it's not. I'm still nervous when I go to the grocery store, right? I, I, I'm still aware of how close I am to people. And that's, I think that, that's healthy, that's good. But I thought it would just be different. It, not until I got to Duluth Coffee Company, they just reopened, my favorite place. I walked in and that was the first time I actually felt like, oh, there's life is happening. Life is available, right? And I got to see uh, Laura, the, some of the baristas, Eric and Chuck, and then my buddy Nick Hansen just walked in as I'm having like this collective beautiful moment. It was great. But I realized I'm still exhausted by that. We are meeting as a council, as a church council, meeting um, next week or two weeks early May to pick a date of when we're going to officially reopen as neighborhood church. They have in-person services. We'll still do online streaming as well, um, uh, which is good. But I've had several conversations with people who, including our staff, of like, now that we're, we have a plan of reopening, we're asking ourselves, well, what kind of church are we? We've been doing this kind of church for, um, what, 14, 15 months? Like, what is it going to look like to be back in person? And who are we? Where have we evolved? Where we have changed? There's people, you, right? You, you, you've reached out to us. People in our church have reached out to us because of something that they heard or something that they read that we posted or something that we shared. And like, well, what does that mean? And this is, this is part of the exhausting part is that like when you're just, when it's just you and me, like I'm in your living room or I'm in wherever you are, right? And you hear me say something like how I do, I do interchange the pronouns of God from he to she to them. And you might hear that and you have this feeling, if there's no one else to look around to process about well, how are they responding and uh, are they laughing or are they engaging and they're nodding their head, are they doing this? You, you have no place to process that. And so where do you go with that? You, it's going to spin around in your head and you don't know how to work through it. If you're in community, you can like walk up to me or you can walk up to someone else and clink glasses or, or ask or, or pray or cry or laugh. Like there's just being around people, you can like work through stuff so much sooner. 
And that's why I shared my calendar. It's in the comments if you want. If you really do have questions or you have things, theological ideas or of how do I navigate this, this point or this belief, like I want to be, or you have questions of like, who are we? I would love to sit down with you because I think that's important. And because of that, starting next week, for the next three weeks, we're going to be doing a series on who we are as a church. Like, are we a Bible-believing church? These are questions I've gotten. I'm like, yeah, we take the Bible very, very seriously, very seriously. Not always literally, we take it incredibly seriously. Are we an activist church is a, something I get asked um, once in a while. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We are very active in our faith because that's who Jesus was. Jesus was active in what he believed, and it wasn't an intellectual idea, but it played out publicly, it played out in the streets, it played out uh, at feasts and wedding dances, it played out everywhere he went, it was spilling out. And so we are gonna be very active. Are we a community church? Absolutely, we, we're called neighborhood for a reason, we believe in neighborhoods. Uh, are we a, a Christ-centered church? Absolutely, but like, what does that mean? So we're gonna take time to process and talk through those, all those. But if you have those questions, those are very normal as you re-enter the idea of coming back into a public place, coming back to whatever you, we call church. Um, but before we get into those, those subjects, I, I thought, um, and maybe it was prophetic, maybe it was just a good idea of talking about um, rest. Uh, one person I was I'm talking to uh, works in a school and they were saying, uh, the idea of like activism, they're like, Chris, I do this every single day, working with kids, trying to help them be their fullest selves. I really miss just having a place where I can come and just rest, right? Like a place where I can listen to music, I can worship, I can get a cup of coffee and I can talk with people, I can laugh and I can see people um, milling around, I can see people processing. I just miss the ability to rest. I'm like, that is exactly how I feel. I feel it too, right? And so I thought, like maybe as we're in this transition from um, post-COVID, moving into summer, there's a lot of transitions. There is this Psalm, Psalm 23, that has been incredibly life-giving to me. And the reason I like this Psalm is that I've um, read it at um, funerals of people I love. And it made a lot of meaning to me. I've read it at weddings as people have declared their love. I have memorized this and I've said it hundreds of times as I feel anxious. I will, I will um, say it in my head over and over again to help just ground myself. And as I read it, I'm gonna read it here. As I read it, I want you to be aware of what words bring life to you. What words bring darkness to you? Where do you feel tension? Where do you feel wonder? Where do you feel um, inspiration? Because the truth is that um, sometimes we think there has to be like one true interpretation of the Bible or of a verse. And like my job as a pastor is land everyone collectively to the right way of seeing it. And that's just like not like how it works. Like we should have really as many hundreds of ways of interpreting it because we have hundred different people processing it. Because your body and your context and your mourning and your brain and your emotional health matters. And it all is valid and it all belongs. And it's going to inform how you take this in. So as I read it, I want you just to be aware. And then I'm going to give you some of my, my thoughts. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. She makes me lie down in green pastures and she leads me beside quiet waters. She refreshes my soul. She guides me along the right paths for her namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for she is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
They prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and she anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Love that. Literally read that hundreds of times and still brings life. And there's like, there's a lot of takeaways, right? But some ones that I found to be really um, um, moving is the very first part. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That idea of that there is this shepherd, there is this active um, participant, there is this, this person, this idea, this energy that is actively going before us and leading us. And because of that, I lack nothing. Like, what does that even mean? When's the last time that you woke up in the morning? Other translations will use, um, I have no needs. I have no needs. Like, when's the last time you woke up in the morning and you said, ah, oh, I have absolutely no needs today. I lack nothing. Nothing was the last time you showed up to work and you looked at your desk and you're like, I lack nothing today, friends. Right? You come home after work and you put the brief, I don't know who has briefcases, but you put the briefcase down and, you know, you pet the dog and you kiss the picture of George Costanza right by the door like normal, healthy people have. And, and then you say, oh, friends, I lack nothing, right? No, we lack a lot of things. <laughs> we, are, we are absolutely aware of all our needs. And we all try pretending that we don't have them. We don't want to, I don't want to be needy, but we all, we all, <laughs> we all are aware of our lack. Why? Because we live in a scarcity society. This is a byproduct, and this is not slamming capitalism, right? This is not a, a capitalism is of the devil message, but capitalism produces um, scarcity because we're all aware. How many times have you told someone or you told yourself, got to get my shoes on quick, got to get in the car quick, got to get there quick, got to get done with work quick, got to eat quick. Why? Because we have to get to something else, something more, because if I don't get there faster, then they get faster, then they'll get that thing that I probably don't need, but I think I need because if I don't get it, then they get it. What if I miss out on it? So we just live in this cycle of scarcity. If I don't get something, if I don't take it mine, even if I don't need it, if I don't have it, what if it's not there when I do need it, right? Like absolute um, reason that you could tell we live in a scarcity society is um, merging into traffic, right? This is, this will expose, and some people are gonna take their computers and slam it or throw it out the door right now, right? Um, you know you live in a uh, scarcity mindset society when you are in the, the lane, right? They're like, it's going from two lanes to one lane, and the other lane is wide open. Even though it says zipper at the merge at the, when it goes together, that is scientifically makes it go faster. But instead, Minnesotans, we have like two mile line, and one person will zoom by, right? And you feel this sort of what? injustice. You're like, what devil is playing out in this reality right now? Not today, Satan. And so what do you do? You take your big old truck and you put it in the left lane and you don't go fast. You go the exact same speed as everyone else. You want to let no one get by you, right? Because I paid my dues. I waited three minutes. I'm not going to let you pass me and get ahead of me, right? Or when you're in that line and someone comes like onto an entrance ramp and they want to merge ahead of you and you speed up to the, to the tail, you're like, no, 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 I'm not going to wait another 30 seconds, <laughs> right? Why do you, or other lines, you're at the grocery store and they're like, open in line three and someone out of turn goes over there, even though you've been waiting longer and you look at them and you smile and you are judging them silently, right? Thinking all sorts of evil on them. 
What, why, why do we do this? Because there's something inside of us that says there's not enough to go around. There's not enough time. There's not enough pleasure. There's not enough money. There's not enough promotions. There's not enough uh, of um, play dates, right? There's not enough, whatever, whatever you feel you're insecure in, wherever you feel like you lack in something. And this is why, this is why the, the opening line that you lack nothing. What this implies, if you lack nothing, then implies that you're in the fullness of something. Because the truth is we lack a lot. We are absolutely aware of our needs. This does not mean you can't have needs. This doesn't mean you can't lack anything. What it means is that it just doesn't define you, right? It doesn't have to drive you. It doesn't have to determine what your value or worth is. That there is the fullness of this, of this divine. There's this fullness of love. There's this fullness of this good and beautiful life if you're willing to awake to it. It's already within. Think about this. Jesus gives three parables in a row of a lost, a lost coin, a lost sheep. And what is the, the prodigal son? Just remember right now, the prodigal son. The, the, the coin did nothing at all to deserve to be found. The, the, the lamb, the sheep, did nothing at all to, be, to deserve to be sat on left. The other 99 behind to go find that one. The son, right, did everything he could in insulting and spitting on his family name. And yet he still gets welcomed. Why? Because before he even left, before he even asked, he belonged. Because before the coin got dropped, before the, sh the sheep or the lamb walked away, they already had value. They already included. The fullness was already there. You see, when we start with, this, especially with this psalm, but if we start at this place in our day, if we remind ourselves of that, I'm in the fullness of something and I lack absolutely nothing. I have no needs. Everything else we're going to talk about can fall into place. It can it become more of a reality. So, Rest. If that's true, then there's this idea of rest. It says that um, she makes me lie down, right? There's this word of like this urgency, this directiveness, this like plan, this you are going to do this. <laughs> and I, I, I would love it because I'm a bad rester. I'm a horrible rester. Like um, I, I like the idea of naps. I love naps for other people. Depending, and I, if you're like a five-minute nap or a six-minute nap or a seven-minute nap kind of person, I, I'm a fan of all those. But for me, it just feels impossible. I don't know if there's anyone else out, out there like that. Um, like yesterday, I had um, the day to myself, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't have schoolwork to do. I already have my message done. So it's like, okay, well, I better like reseal the concrete on our countertops. That's What is wrong with me? That's the first thing I thought of. Like, what should I do? I better go seal those countertops. <laughs> so bad, right? Wouldn't you love it to have someone like, like this? Like you're, you're, in your, um, you're, you're in your staff meeting and there's 20 people and you're pretending to be interested and all of a sudden um, someone walks in. They're like, hey, Billy, I'm sorry. Uh, right here, uh, Frank has to take a nap. I'm making him and I'm leading him to a place of where he can find rest. So Frank, your room's all set up for you. Why don't you go take it? Everyone's like, wow, way to go, Frank. You got your enforced nap person, right? That would be <laughs> that would be good, right? But there is there is rest, and when you when you read when I read this this verse of um, that she leads me beside quiet waters and green pastures, I have this idea of like river runs through it. Like, how do you vision what that place is? Like, I imagine like like this beautiful stream and Brad Pitt's in the middle of it fly fishing, and he's like, "Hey, Chris, we're best friends." I'm like, "I already knew that, Brad." 
That's awesome. Glad you confirmed it because that, that will help me rest a little bit more. And there's like big, huge like grass everywhere. Like you can like lay down and get lost in it. And then all of a sudden there's like a bear on the other side and the bear's like, Chris, are we best friends? I'm like, yes, we're best friends. Brad, bear, Chris, triangle of friendship, right? Like in my mind, that's how I see it. Because if I'm best friends with the bear and with Brad Pitt, I'm in like the grass, I'm feeling no pain. I can, I can finally rest, right? And however you envision it, that is go you. But the Bible is written in a, uh, by people at a specific historical time in a historical place, which this would have been written uh, in the Middle East. And so they, Brad Pitt doesn't live there. Bears don't live there. I'm sorry. I can't have the triangle of best friends if I was there. Instead, there would be a very like more of a desert place, desert area. And um, what would happen is shepherds would like stumble upon like these these places where water got between these two rocks and there'd be this small little pasture, this small little place of where there was grass. And not a ton, not Brad Pitt bear kind of grass, just like grass. And there'd be water that maybe it rained and it pooled there and it would be there for a, a little bit of time before it um, evaporated away, before it went back away. And so there'd be these surprise, I like the idea of like stolen time. Time you did not plan for, time you did not anticipate, and it's right there and the shepherd would say, Right here is enough. There is enough grass, there is enough water for you in this moment, at this part of the day, at this time. And I love that, I love that idea of enough, that enough can be flourishing. Because in a scarcity mindset, we think, I need to have a surplus of something. Like, I will finally rest when I can have three months of all my living expenses in my savings account. Then I can rest. If I can weigh, and this number pops up on this scale, then, then I can rest. If I can do all the right things for those who are parents, I can do all the right things with my kid, get them uh, all the right meals, all the right activities, then I can rest. Really, if my kids perform to the level I want, then I can rest. Um, if I do all the things of what a really good friend should do, right, then I can rest. See, anytime we have this idea of, if and when, then we're being driven by what we produce. Our value is, our value is in this like, this 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 place of production. As a three in the enneagram, this is where, this is where I live. But really, what this psalm is saying, you might stumble up across this green, like little pasture, this green space of grass, and like, what if that's just enough? What if that hug from your friend is just like enough? What if you could be in a place of um, disorder, a place of being unsure of what you think about how you relate to a God and how that God might relate to you, but even that worship song might be enough. Surprises you that it hits you. What if like that, that um, meal you got to spend with your grandparents, what if that could be enough? Because when we live in this idea of, I have to be something, I'm gonna let this drive who I am, then, then we're never going to find rest. It is, it's almost impossible. If we start a place, I lack nothing, I'm in the fullness of something, then in those places of being exactly who I am, being the real me, I still can find rest in the middle of my hot mess. Like I, this is, I mean, I live here. I do, I live here and I like talking about it because, well, I don't like talking about it, but it's good because um, I've learned there's a lot of people who deal with shame. Um, where I live as a parent is I am surprised that my kids still love me. Where I'm at as a partner with, with Nikki in my marriage, I'm surprised that she still wants to be with me because I can say horrible things. I can like do 
really damaging things to my family, right? Not intentionally, but it happens, right? And so recently there was something that happened with one of my kids about grades, right? Grades, I wish we could be done with grades. But somehow I felt like you are not living up to the potential that I deem means you're a good student, right? Get caught up in this scarcity game again. And um, I was very intense. Nikki came around and she's like, hey, what if you like not do that? <laughs> like maybe you should go for a walk. And that's when I realized I'm like, what am I doing? Like, like rationally, I know that that doesn't matter. And why am I making meaning of something that I don't need to make meaning for? And why do I feel so intense? Like outside in, I can be like, why am I doing this? Stop. But inside in the moment, it's like I throwing myself down the stairs. I'm like, this hurts. Why am I doing this? And so I just expect that my kid would have every reason just to say, I will now tolerate my father. That's just what I expect. And when I come back and I apologize, and when they say, dad, I love you, it feels so unfair. But in that moment, can I trust that I'm enough for my kid? In my mess, in my pain, in my sin, right? If that's the word you wanna use, I'm still enough. When it comes to Nikki, my partner, I'm still enough, even though I, I, I'm not always the 100% best, right? As your pastor, there's times where I'm like, who's gonna show up? <laughs> Why would anyone log on, right? Why would anyone wanna come back to this place? Because there's just times where I just feel like I'm, I, I'm not perfect. I'm not, and we can, all this, we'll look around saying, no, that kind of person, they drive that kind of car, they have those kind of friends, they are better, whatever we deem better, and I'm just average at best. But this psalm says, no matter where you are, no matter where you go, there is this God that is inviting us, leading us, and she says that you lack nothing, that you're in the fullness of something, and you can rest in that. Then where it goes, and I love this, is that it says that, um, that their, um, their rod and their staff guide me. There's the, these trails, there's these um, obstacles that they are leading us through, right? And where does it lead us to? That we are in some sort of valley, and we are, the, the, that death is right before us, it's so close, death is right there, that we are in its shadow. And what is in that shadow? There's a table. There's a table and it's filled with life, it is filled with energy. And there she says, Chris, come dine with me. Come clink glasses with me, Chris. It is all abundantly, it is all yours. Please come and rest. And where is this table? Because it's easy, we think, no, no, I get that kind of blessing from God. I get that kind of love and affection and care and benevolence from a God when what? I get through the valley where I get out of the shadow. I'm in the light. I have conquered that addiction. I have conquered that mental health crisis. I have, I have navigated all those questions of uncertainty. I have found assuredness. I have, I have nailed it, what it means to be human. That is when God will say, finally, you did enough, Chris. What took you so long? Sit down and eat this food. That's where I live. And so when I read this, it reminds me, that in my mess, in death, in the pain, in, <clears throat> in real, <laughs> not going to swear, in real life, there is a God who sees me and says, Chris, all this is yours. All of it is yours. 
And it's not just some meal, maybe some sloppy, dirty kids eat up, right? It is this, that the glass overflows, that there is this anointing, this oil that they would pour over your head that would just, would spill up through your hair, would get into your beard, go in your ear, drip down onto your legs. It's this sign of, of um, generosity, of, of authority, of worth, of love, of that it covers absolutely everything, that it, there's so much of it that it's gonna pour over your entire being, and that there is a meal, that there is a drink, something that will bring you life, not when I nail it, not when I fix it, not when I get through it, but in the middle of death, God sees me. Because we're in the fullness of something, not in the lack of something. Then how it ends, right? It says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So it starts with, there's a shepherd who's leading me and I lack nothing and it leads me to a place of rest, right? So it's actively leading me somewhere. Then I can be present in the moment of death. I'm at a table and even behind me, this God is chasing me. There is this urgency. There is this, there is this energy of that it's pursuing me. You see, it's before us, it's with us, it's behind us, it's next to us. It is the fullness of of this goodness of God. And what this author, what this poet is telling us is that even the real you, even in all those things, there is this good and beautiful life that you can awaken to. It's not somewhere else, it's not in someone else, it's not by conquering, it's by awakening to it. Like the coin, like the sheep, like the sun, before they even left, it was already within. I'm going to do an exercise with you. And this is how we're officially going to end. Um, uh, and if you'd like to process, you'd like to share, or you've got some questions, or you'd like to talk a little bit, you can um, DM me if you'd like, uh, or you can email me. All my contact information is on our website at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. But this is an exercise I learned from Richard Rohr when I went and saw him when I was like a 24-year-old. I had no idea who he was. And I um, still use it to this day. And if you feel like um, this exercise is practicing that enough can be flourishing, the idea of enough is a flourishing act, you can do it with me. Um, what I do is I put my hand, I don't know if you can see it, I put my hand on my chest like this, and I say the words over and over again that I'm enough for God, and God's enough for me. So I'm gonna, you can watch me do it or you can do it with me. Today, Chris Sauter is enough for God. And today, God is enough for Chris. I'm enough for God. God is enough for me. I'm enough for God. And she is enough for me. Hmm. So receive that. Welcome it. Awaken to it. Because this energy, this love, this presence, this God, the fullness of it is right here. Thank you, friends. Thanks for being in this space with me. Thank you to Sarah for playing music and their new song. And you really are enough.
you exactly who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So have a great rest of your weekend, friends. And again, if you'd like to process or connect, you can feel free to reach out to me anytime. Have a good and beautiful day.